You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, I mean, this game felt about as good for me as I've felt in a really, really, really long time. And it's for different varying reasons. Um, but, I, I mean, I just... it. I don't. I don't even know what it was, but first of all, that 400th touchdown kind of broke me a little bit. That that really it it kind of just brought everything together for me for how perfect things are right now. And and perfect is obviously uh, hyperbolic. That's not true. But as perfect as things can be for a football team, this is pretty close to being it. I mean, we've seen a Packers team go undefeated for a very long time. You may remember the 13 and 0 Packers in 2011. Um, I would venture to say that things are more perfect now than they were for them back then. Maybe not. I, you know, it just, I think part of it is is Aaron Rodgers being a veteran and Devontae being around for such a long time. I mean, they're kind of the old dogs now, you know. The Chiefs are more where the Packers were in 2011. They were younger, they're up and coming, they're hungry, they're super talented. But seeing this, you know, when, when oh jeez. I mean, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he, he is, to be fair, on the way out, if, if we assume on the way out could be sometime within the next three years. But, I mean, we haven't seen a top-tier performance from Rodgers in a while. There was concern that things are just going to keep getting worse. You start worrying about the team in general, the direction of the team. Do we have a quarterback in Jordan Love? If not, are we headed for a dark period? I mean, you just don't know what's about to happen. And to be sitting here today to watch... The number one quarterback in football, Aaron Rodgers, something that I never thought I would say ever again. Throw to the number one wide receiver in football, Devontae Adams, something that I had hoped I would say one day, but wasn't super optimistic about. And that was the 400th touchdown of Aaron Rodgers' career. It's funny, you see all over Twitter people saying, who's going to get the 400th? And you start thinking, trying to be rational and logical, and how is it going to go? What do I think is going to happen? Do you think Aaron Rodgers was going to throw his 400th touchdown to anybody else? As soon as he threw it to Devontae and got that touchdown, I thought, I am an idiot. I guarantee you Rodgers walked right over to Devontae and said, I wasn't going to give it to anybody else. It's just something about the veteranship of this team, about the, the fact that it's the twilight years, you know? It's the twilight era of, of something that's been so great for so long, for over a decade now. It just feels like it means more. For Rodgers, for Devontae, for us as fans, I haven't felt this passionate and this invested and this just thankful for this team. I don't know when. I mean, it's not quite at the level when Brett Favre played the way he played when his dad died, but it it has a similar feel in that this is different. I mean, it, it feels bigger than football. Granted, it's all just football, but it's starting to feel bigger than football right now. Aaron Rodgers has to know this might be his last shot. I mean, we, we want to think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be at this level for another three years, and then he's going to get another contract. He's going to play like this until he's 90. Aaron Rodgers is smart enough to know, most of us are smart enough to know, this might be it. It's also part of the reason I'm trying to tell you you need to appreciate this. 
this might be the farewell tour. Not to say he won't be back next year, but this might be it. You don't know. I'm not declaring it is. I'm not saying for sure it is. I'm just saying it very well could be. We got we to gotta be invested in this one, man. We're going to look back on stuff like this. This game is going to be one we're going to want to look back on for such a long time. And, and you know, I, I did the post-game show with, with Brady over at the Green Bay Packer Nation Facebook page. He's got 440,000 people like that page, so I'm assuming you already know about it and like it. If you don't, though, please head over there and uh, like that Facebook page. It's a massive and awesome page. But when, when I did the show with him, we went over a couple nitpicky things because they're important and because you want to, to kind of keep tweaking and keep getting better and keep refining and all that. But man, that's that's really all the negatives are. And looking at the negatives in this game and letting that be at the forefront of your mind is going to ruin you. I'm, I'm I, At this point, man, I'm pleading with you. You might never see. If they win a Super Bowl, I would venture to guess you're not going to see a, a, a season like this possibly ever again. If they don't, let's hope we find one that's at least somewhat as good. But man, I just, there's so many things that happen in this game. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good things that are just good things and just kind of dominant, awesome things. But just big picture, looking at what's happening right now, you, you look at the, that it's the 400th touchdown pass and how that went down. You look at that pass to Devon. I mean, just the way Devontae's playing in general is just, I mean, I'm trying to sit back and admire Rodgers and what he's doing, and, and I, I can't, my eyes keep getting pulled to Devontae because I've, I've just never seen anything like this. My appreciation level for him, I mean, it's it's not a question anymore for me who the best Packers wide receiver of all time is. I mean, granted, there's other very older guys in contention. I don't want to get into the whole history argument. Well, they would get killed in today's NFL. I understand, and Devontae wouldn't be as good as he is if he was born in 1940 or 10 for that matter. Not interested in that argument though right now. As far as I'm concerned, this is the best wide receiver we've seen. I mean, I, I love Jordy with 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 a passion. Jordy was never at this level. And Jordy was, I mean, he was ahead of a lot of guys in my mind. If you want to say Jennings was better, cool. Devontae is way better than Jennings ever was. I don't think any of the, the guys, the, the older guys would even argue with that. But that, oh my God, I just, I can't even get the words out. As soon as I picture the plays it's just you get chills so intense your eyes well up you know and and no that doesn't mean crying it's just intense chills if you don't get it fine it's a different it's a thing shut up (laughs) but that pass in double coverage down the field when Aaron Rodgers was in our own end zone like eight yards deep basically touching the defender's hands it was such a tight squeeze and, De- and Devontae Adams comes down with that. I mean, that right there is the picture of the 2020 season. The most perfect impossible pass in the world. The most perfect impossible catch in the world. That's Devontae and Aaron Rodgers right now. I mean, I know it takes a lot to win a Super Bowl, but that combination right there is everything you need to know about this season. Everything you need to know about their chances of winning a Super Bowl. They're, it's cheating. It's really not fair. And the other beautiful picture about this is there's a lot of youth on this team. Guys like Elton Jenkins, guys like Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary and all that. And, you know, the veterans are really playing at a high level. Devontae, uh, yeah, Devontae Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, I believe, is now up near or at number one tackle status. Corey Lindsley, veteran center, having the best year of his career. I know he's out for a while, but it's, it's worth noting the veterans have been playing at an unbelievably high level this year. But we're also seeing the young guns really start to step up. You look at Darnell Savage. You look at Rashawn Gary. 
You look at Jair Alexander. Jair is one of the best, if not the best, corners in football right now. Rashawn Gary is really starting to hit his stride. You could make the same argument for the defense in general. They're starting to, to galvanize and fortify, and it's just, it's really all starting to come together. I know it's just the Eagles, but everything I said about the Eagles was true. They have a stout defensive line, and they run the ball really. They are the third best running team in football. You want to nitpick a couple big runs against the third best running team in football, go ahead. I know their record is terrible because their quarterback has just completely fallen apart. The offensive line has completely fallen apart. The wide receivers have more drops than just about any, I think, more than any team in football. So yes, you can be one of the best running teams in football and not be successful. Go figure. You can have some good pass rushers and defensive linemen and still fall apart because you got the worst corners in football. The game wasn't perfect. But I'm telling you, you guys that are demanding perfection are just missing it and I'm I'm really just pleading with you as a friend to please try your best to see what I see because you're going to you're you're going to have I don't know man I I don't know what else to say but you're missing it I mean the the fact that at one point in this game the scores got close enough that they almost touched right they were within 7 of each other that that can't throw you into a tailspin again there's some nitpicky stuff and we'll get to the nitpicky stuff Happily, there's a couple things I'd like to get cleaned up. But this game was 30-16. to 16. What was my prediction? What did I say in my prediction prior to? What was it, 31-20? to, to 20? I don't remember, but it was somewhere in that range. 31-19, maybe? We end up 30-16, to 16, and what, I'm supposed to throw a fit about that? By the way, the defense again, and this is the same thing that happened against the Jaguar. One of those was a special teams failure. Special teams gave up another 7 points. Take away 7 from 16, what do you get? Nine! Nine! This was 30 to nine! I mean, come on! I mean, if you're just looking at offense and defense, this was 30 to nine. And by the way, the only reason they didn't score again on that final drive is because they took a knee. They gave up the final drive in the fourth quarter, which is what you do, but still, they would obviously would have scored again if this game wasn't just so ridiculously out of reach and they couldn't just kill the clock. So they forfeited a drive that they would have scored, and the special teams gave up a, a, another touchdown. This was as brutal of a beating as you could possibly get. And, and again, I'm, I don't really know where the fan base is at. I just know some people are, are saying that they can't believe some people are upset. However, I will throw in this caveat. I think maybe things look negative because when you pull through Twitter, you see a lot of tweets from different points in the game, and it, it doesn't just... It just feels more negative than I think it is. And I, the only reason I know that is because some of the people who are screaming that they're upset with the negative people, I'm seeing all their negative tweets throughout the game. Like, oh, okay, Mr. Happy. Because look, when something happens that you get frustrated, and you don't know if you're, we didn't know, there was a time when we thought maybe that we would lose this game. But just because it's a possibility that didn't come to fruition doesn't mean the team sucks. There was a possibility before kickoff that we lose the game. It became more real when the Eagles went down the field and scored three points. That doesn't mean the team sucks because it was three to nothing after the first drive. The fact that it became a reality at one point because they got within seven doesn't mean the Packers are a bad football team. So, um, man, there's so much to go through, and I don't have a huge amount of time. Um, why don't we do the nitpicky stuff now, because I don't want to end on a negative note. Uh, then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back on the other side of it. So, first of all, the fact that we got outscored 13-10 to 10 in the fourth is frustrating. The fourth quarter play has to get better, right? So I would say fourth quarter and special teams are the two things that are big 
you know, as far as if we're going to win a Super Bowl, not that we can't win a Super Bowl as we are, but you want to keep getting better. And two areas that you want to get better on are the fourth quarter and special teams. Special teams are becoming a massive liability now that we've seen two teams score touchdowns in, I mean, not, what was it, the Colts? So two and three weeks wildly unacceptable and beyond it's not just that you want to know why this wasn't a bigger blowout because the the eagles are starting on their 40 yard line and the packers are starting on their own within the inside of their own 20 just about every drive that's completely and wildly unacceptable now again i'm I'm exaggerating but extra kudos to the defense because again and we've seen this multiple times i said the same thing with the colts you got to cut the defense some slack because look where they're starting every single drive they're constantly having to defend basically from the 50-yard line. And how many times do they actually stop them? We saw one time when they were in field goal range, they got two sacks and pulled them out of field goal range. They had to punt. We also saw another time they, after like one play, were inside the Packers' 50-yard line because they started on like the 40. Again, I'm probably misremembering, but whatever, doesn't matter. Preston Smith got a tackle for a loss. They ended up punting from behind the 50-yard line. The defense deserves a massive amount of credit. What happens if they start at their own 25 every drive? instead of where they ended up starting all the time. I don't know if they get to nine. Similarly, how many times did the Packers have to drive from out of their own end zone? If you just if, if you just get rid of kickoffs and start each team at the 25, and I'm not lobbying for that, and special teams is a part of, of, of this, but I'm just trying to take away the negative of the Packers special teams, this game would have been 45-3. to three. The only reason this was even a little bit close was special teams, and not just because of the touchdown. The Packers basically walked down the field and scored touchdowns on every drive, but it took so long for them to get down the field, they weren't able to score that many times. So the game was ended up being not actually that far apart. So if the Eagles get back-to-back touchdowns because they finally get their first one, which, I mean, I'm not mad at the defense about that, and then the, the special teams goes out and gets another, uh, you know, so the, the offense gets one three and out, not a big deal. But then the other team comes out and gets a special teams touchdown. I mean, it's it's a, one of those things where not that many bad things happen. And we're already back at it. And most of that has to do with the special teams. It's it's absolutely out of control. And we've spent so much time focusing on fire Petten that we completely forgot how much we were lobbying to fire Menenga. As much as this defense is coming back together and as much as we really need to focus on, and I, I talked about this yesterday on our live stream, if you look at the fact that they gave up basically nine, the defense gave up nine to the Eagles, they gave up 25 to the Bears, the Colts, that was bad, again, a lot of that was special teams, but that was the one flub, the Jaguars was 20, but that was also a special teams gaffe, so you got 13 in that game, so what is it, 9, 25, then 34, then 13, 17 to the 49ers, 28 to the Vikings is not that bad, 20 to the Texans, the defense has been pretty good, I dare say. Again, a couple, couple flubs here. The, the real big one, obviously, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Outside of that, though, none of this is that bad. You, you wish the defense would do some things better, but they're just not giving up a lot of points. And again, if the special teams could just normalize a little bit, I think things would be even more, you know, the, the offense has more points because they're able to get down the field faster, and the defense ends up giving up less points because they're not having to battle from the 50. So, I mean, special teams is the biggest issue right now. I mean, it's been bad for a while. We've kind of been not really thinking about it because it hasn't been highlighted quite as much. But now that they're starting to give up touchdowns, and on top of that, teams are now just kicking it to the one because we can't return it anymore. And so we're only getting it out to about the 20. Granted, when Tyler Irvin was in, 
he he's making the I mean he's getting it out to the third. So as long as Tyler Irvin is there, and again, this is why you start to have a little bit of hope about Tavon Austin. If he brings a similar dynamic, that goes away. They're going to just start kicking it into the end zone, which is going to neutralize any benefit of Tavon Austin. But you know what? That's good enough. Give us the ball at the 25. Good. Perfect. Great. The last couple weeks, we've seen them just kick it to the one-yard line, and it's driving me insane because it works so well. And yet we kick it to the one, and they get it out to the 40. I mean, not every time. There's a couple times they do a good job. Again, I'm, I'm speaking in exaggerated terms, but it is it is out of control. And field position is really just becoming a massive problem. And, and the Packers' offense and defense are winning despite horrible field position on both sides. They're overcoming massive challenges. As far as the fourth quarter goes, my biggest nitpick would be this. If I could give any advice to Matt LaFleur, if, th- if there was any chance that anybody listening has his ear, give him this. Because I think it needs to be said. And, and as much as I'd like to say, well, he's not stupid, obviously he knows. The fact that you've got guys like um, Preston and Zadarius and Rashawn apparently got the ear of Mike Pettin and said, hey man, look, how about we simplify things a little bit and you lo- uh, let us you know, get after the quarterback a little bit? And Pettin said, you know what, you guys are right, and they did it, and it worked, which is apparently a thing that happened. It means that sometimes we see things as fans that seem painfully obvious, and the, the team sees it also, and they talk to the coach. and the co- They must just be so immersed in the, in the minutia that they're missing the big picture sometimes, miss the forest for the trees, if you will. So here's, here's, here's a little tidbit. Teams in the NFL can score really, really quickly. Just because it's the fourth quarter does not mean it's time to start running the ball and burning the clock. Do not worry about the clock until we've got about maybe the two minutes, maybe, and that's only if you're up two scores. Even then, I'm a little nervous. If you've got four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they're down by two touchdowns, what was there, six, seven minutes left after they got that first touchdown? Granted, that was a mostly a mental flub. The five-yard delay a game penalty really hurt us, but after that drive, and they got their touchdown on special teams, there was still, let's see, one, two, call it three, four, five, there's still like six minutes left. So they're pulling within seven. And they decide we're going to run the ball, got one yard, throw a screen pass, lose a yard, and now it's third and long, and they go incomplete and have to punt. Forget the clock. Forget the stupid clock. Keep playing football. And here's the thing. You say, well, who's to say they wouldn't have done that anyways? This is one of the worst cornerback groups in football. Darius Slade just got taken to the locker room, and uh, Maddox, I think, also got hurt and was out of the game. So they have terrible corners, and two of their corners just got taken off the field, and we're going to run the ball? Attack! You don't play stupid with me. You know for a fact that you decided you got scared and you wanted to just eat up clock because you, you, you just panicked. Shoot, we got to kill this clock. Th- there's too much clock, dude. There's too much clock. Don't change anything. You're winning. You're doing a great job. Don't stop. You're so worried. Oh no, if we throw the ball and we give them the ball back and there's so much time, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's too much time. On top of that, the only strength this defense even has is their defensive line and you're playing at the line of scrimmage. You have to just forget the clock. Petten and and LaFleur both forget the stupid clock. If you're doing something and it's working, just keep doing it. I mean, if you need to adjust because they adjust, fine. If you're on defense and you want to adjust because they're not running the ball anymore, so we're just going to stay in dime because they're just spreading the ball out because they don't have enough time, they need to get down the field, cool. That doesn't necessarily mean play prevent, but you don't want to be eight in the box either. 
But what I'm talking about is forget the clock. Stop trying to pop it into neutral way too early. I mean, it was the the end of the third quarter when the Packers went up 23-3. to And my son said the game is over, and I said not yet. I said it's pretty much over because the Eagles are so bad. But, you know, it's, it's a, still a football team. And a football team can overcome a 20-point deficit in a quarter pretty easily. And we saw how easily that can happen. What did they say it was? It was, it was a matter of seconds they scored. I think they said 80 seconds. They scored 14 points. So, I mean, look, the, the slogan is all gas, no break. And I understand there's some conventional wisdom about burning clock when you're up and all that. But you just, I just don't think you can do that. I mean, even when it's 23-3, to 3, forget the fact that we're within seven with a bunch of time left on the clock. Even at 23-3, to 3, keep playing your game. A whole quarter and a 20-point, you know, gap is not that big of a deal. And we need to start recognizing that this is also a team that has a offense that is more than willing to just cash it in. And a defense that is more than willing to give up a ton of points. And now we've got special teams working against us. They'll throw them seven. They'll throw them a seven bone here and again. So that 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 pedal has to stay down until it's out of reach. Then you can start coasting. There is a point in a game when you look at it and say, you know what? If we go two runs and then have to punt, that burns off enough time where we're okay with this. But it's it's I mean it's it's really not that much because if they have enough time, even if we were within 14, if they have enough time to score a touchdown, get an onside kick, and score another touchdown, I don't think you should be doing it. Don't give them that opportunity to win the game. Don't hand them that opportunity. Take the opportunity from them. we got to take a break. We're running rapidly out of time. Thank you so much to Dan Adco for jumping in on Patreon. I really appreciate that support. Everybody that supports me on Patreon, it means a ton. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month over at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I've also got links for uh, other one-time type donations. Some people aren't into the monthly or um, Patreon in general, just don't like um, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, all that stuff is available. I don't even think I put my link to my Cash App up there, but it's a thing. Otherwise, as I've been saying, the best way to support the podcast is to just share it. Whether you want to tell people about the podcast personally, or like I said, just invite people to the Facebook group or the Facebook page. There's 1,100 people in the Facebook group. If everybody invited 50 people, that's a big group, man. (laughs) If you don't want that many people in the group, fine, bring them over to the page. Then you don't have to worry about your toxic cousins polluting our, our group. Just shoot them over to the page. Invite people to the Packernet Podcast Facebook page or Cheese and Packers or both. Do whatever you want. I don't care. I would just really appreciate that support. Also, one other thing that I would ask. It's not football related. It's just kind of one of those proud dad things. But um, if you or your kids or your wife or anybody are interested in photography or rabbits, Naturally Smart Rabbits on Instagram, um, you should go give my kid a follow. She's really doing some great work. I'm trying to convince her to do some work for me for this for some Packer stuff because she's pretty talented, but she's also in a little bit of a competition with some of her friends, and I expect her to win. You know how that goes. So she was super excited to get to 200 followers. If we can get her to 300, that would be pretty cool. Again, that's Naturally Smart Rabbits on Instagram. Anyways, with that, let's take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so now that those two little nitpicky things are out of the way, let's kind of just comb through a couple different things here. Um, Some things will kind of come up organically, but I want to look over here. NFL.com has these little insights, and some of these things that are here just kind of tell the story better than I can, just as far as how spectacular things are going. Um, One of the other things that I want to bring up, in terms of, um, and again, I brought this up yesterday, in terms of how well things are going, if, if, if you are feeling a little bit down about how the Packers did for some reason, look at the other sideline. This game may have just broken the Eagles. This game may have just ended Carson Wentz's career. I don't know if he's coming back next week. I don't know why he would. I mean, he's completely broken, and their rookie, which, by the way, should give you a little bit of hope for our guy because you look at you look at some of the younger quarterbacks that are out there. They're doing a good job. The guy that got drafted after him is doing a pretty good job. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, Jalen Hurts, um, I mean, he's not great. He's got a ways to go, but he was clearly a better quarterback. And you start to wonder if he was playing four quarters, uh, what would have happened in this game. But um, just, just a, I mean, that this game broke their soul, man. Anyways, continuing on here, the Packers are 12-2 and at home in the Matt LaFleur era, best win percentage since 2019. That's not an interesting little side note at the end there. But it, it is funny because we, we look at it and say, man, they, they were really having a hard time at home. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're tw- this, is, this, is, this is the perfect embodiment of what is wrong with all of us, right? <laughs> Even on things that we nitpick and complain about. Oh, the Packers aren't good at home anymore. Oh. Then you read stuff like this and it's like, what is wrong with me? What is, seriously, punch me in the throat. By the way, one of the guys that deserves uh, more credit than he get, gets clearly, Matt LaFleur in the regular season is now 21-6. and six. Adding in the playoffs, he is 23-7. and seven. Sorry, 22-7. and seven. One win, one loss. I don't know that he has to win a Super Bowl this year to be considered one of the greatest coaches of all time, but if he does win a Super Bowl, I mean, he, he's in line. Granted, we got to see how it goes. He's got a full career ahead of him, but I, I would venture a guess to say that 
anyone doubting that he has the potential to be one of the best coaches in NFL history um, is out of their minds because this is just ridiculous and unheard of. And there's no reason, this is, I'm, I'm getting way off the beaten path here, there's no reason to be saying, yeah, but look what he's working with. I mean, what's going to happen when he doesn't have such a good team around him? What are you talking about? He inherited the Mike McCarthy 2018 football team. That's what he inherited, a team that was just nosediving. If, if they decided not to fire Mike McCarthy that year, I think 2019 we would have won two games. So I don't want to hear it. But man, oh man, is it, again, special is the only way I can think to describe it. Continuing on, some uh, simply spectacular stats here. Aaron Rodgers has two or more passing touchdowns and a 100-plus passer rating in 11 games this season, which is the most in the NFL. Aaron Jones' 77-yard score in the fourth quarter was his 41st career touchdown, the most by a Green Bay player in their first 50 games since at least 1970 when they started keeping track of this stuff, or at least as far as they decided to go look at it since the merger or whatever. Also, Aaron Jones is the fourth Packer running back since 1970 with 3,000-plus rushing yards in their first 50 games. Brockington, Grant, and Lacey also had that. The Packers have scored 30 or more points in nine games this season, which is tied for second most such games in a season by Green Bay since at least 1940. Aaron Rodgers has three or more passing touchdowns in nine games this season, which is the most in the NFL. Devontae Adams' nine-yard score in the third quarter was his 53rd reception touchdown since 2016, which is the most in the NFL in that span. Remember, he's also had several injuries. One of the things, I'm not going to do it today because I don't have time, but one of the things I'm going to be doing is looking at how how dominant Devontae is. Um, because as much as it stinks that he can't be here, every single game, and, and you wonder what his stats would have been if he'd have been around every game. There's still a thing called per-game stats. So, Aaron Rodgers has become the fastest to reach 400 career passing touchdowns in NFL history, 193 games. Devontae Adams has five-plus receptions and one receiving touchdown in seven straight games. Second longest single seasons, or tied for second longest single season streak in NFL history. Robert Tunyon's 25-yard score in the second quarter was his eighth receiving touchdown this season, the most in a season by a Green Bay tight end since Richard Rodgers in 2015. That is both a good and bad stat. (laughs) The fact that I've compared uh, Tunyon to Richard Rodgers and the fact that his great feat of eight touchdowns is actually tied with Richard Rodgers, um, it's it's both great but also kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, not complaining, happy about the guy, just saying. If If we get another one, cool. Aaron Rodgers has become the first player in NFL history with 35-plus passing touchdowns in five seasons, 2011, 2012, 2014, 2016, and now 2020. Robert Tunyon has one-plus receiving touchdown in three straight games for the second time this season. Aaron Rodgers has two-plus pass touchdowns in six straight games versus Eagles, including the playoffs, which is the longest such streak versus Philly in Super Bowl era. Carson Wentz has been sacked three or more times in 10 straight games, longest active streak in the NFL. Sorry about that, bud. Devontae Adams has one or more receiving touchdown in seven straight games, longest streak by a Green Bay player since at least 1950. And finally, the Packers are one of three teams to not allow 30 or more points in a home game this season. Again, the defense is kind of sneaky good, and they get no credit for it. The only other teams that have done that are the Pittsburgh Steelers and the LA Rams. Those are the two best defenses in football right now depending on what weird stat people look at. Again, people say, you hear on the broadcast, like when they were saying the Colts are the best defense in football, like where are you getting that from? Based on what? I don't understand. I'm not saying they were bad, but I just, I can't find number one on any metric. But from what I've seen, Pittsburgh and the Rams are the two top defenses in football. The Packers are the only other team that haven't allowed 30 scores in a home game, which which again, we, we look at it and say, if you allow 30 points, you're garbage. Everybody allows 30 points. 
We allowed 16 to the Rams or to the Eagles just now, and it's like, oh, worst team ever. This defense sucks. Fire Petten. Even though Petten's defense allowed nine points. Oh. Which, even with that special teams gaffe, um, we're talking about 16 points. That is the least points the Eagles have scored all year. Four times they scored 17. And then again, take away the special teams touchdown. We're talking about a team that has given up or that has scored 29, 28, 25, 23, 23, 22, 19, 17, 17, 17, 17, 9. I mean, you can't just take it away and maybe they got a special teams touchdown somewhere else, although we know that they didn't. Their offense scored 9. The lowest they've scored all year is 17. Can we please give this defense some credit? I'm all about giving them a hard time when they deserve it. You know that I've been hard on this team. You know I've been hard on the defense. You know I've been hard on players when they deserve it. I'm not just being an optimist for the sake of being an optimist. You're being stupid for not giving this defense credit when it's deserved because you can't let go of the fact that you still want Petten gone because you're still mad about the Colts or something. you got to be able to let go of stuff. You can't hold grudges in this game. And again, 13 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's that's tied for second lowest that they've scored all season. Miami Dolphins also had 13. Steelers allowed three. I mean, the the defense has its its downsides. But again, if if we factor in special teams, the same thing. If it's not for special teams, we beat the Colts flat out. By the way, I've been saying I don't know when that thing happened. That other special teams thing, maybe it was the Colts, but yet I do seem to know when it happened. It was against the Jaguars. I remember it when I'm talking about the defense needing more credit. I forget when I talk about special teams where it happened. But either way, with the Colts, it was a field possession thing, man. I mean, let's just let's just look at this for a second. The Colts drives. They started at their own 39, their own 25, their own 40. They started at the Green Bay 35. They started at their own 29, 25, 28, 25, 45, 36, 28, 34, and, and Green... Sorry. Let me try that again. 28, 25, 45, 36, Green Bay 28, 34, Green Bay 29. Not once did they start inside of their own 25. Three different times they started in Packers territory. The Packers didn't start once in Colts territory. They started seven times inside of their own 25, including the last five drives. The last five drives, they started at the 14, the 22, the 22, the 23, the 6, and the 22. That's the Colts... Loss was a special teams issue. The Jaguars game was a special teams issue. This game was a special teams issue. Again, I'm telling you, we beat the Colts if not for this. The Colts never once started inside of their own 25. That's ridiculous. And most of the time, they started well beyond that. Again, the 39-yard line, the 40-yard line, the Green Bay 35. Their own 45, their own 36, the Green Bay 28, their own 34, and then the Green Bay 29. Ridiculous. This is not a defensive failure against the Colts. It wasn't great, but it wasn't their fault. Make the Colts start where the Packers had to start, the 21, the the 10. I lied, there was once the Colts 29, the Packers started. That was on an interception. And the Packers got a touchdown out of that. Imagine that. Also, by the way... um, if we look at this, the Colts started at their own 39. They did not get a touchdown. They started at their own 40. They had to punt. They started at the Green Bay 35. They were forced to kick a field goal, and they missed. They started at their own 30. They The Packers got an interception. They started at their own 28. They did not score. That was the end of the half. They started at the Green Bay 28, and they held them to a field goal. They started at their own 34. They had to punt. They started at their own at, at the Green Bay 29, and they were held to a field goal. This could have been like 60 to 
to whatever the Packers got if the defense just completely failed every single time. We really, really, really need to rapidly turn our eyes from the defense to the special teams. That is a massive issue right now. Massive issue. We need to start getting field position in our favor and start recognizing that the defense is actually doing a pretty good job and are doing the best they possibly can given the situation that they're being handed. Anyways, I got to quickly, I want to start highlighting a couple different people. Let me just go through the roster real quick. First of all, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, freak, right? Got to absolutely love that guy. Devontae, we already gave a lot of love to. Fantastic. The other wide receivers were, were kind of iffy, but at the same time, you still love them. MVS, um, he had one big play and he dropped it. I mean, he's he's good for one of those every time, but Matt LaFleur kind of highlighted, this is a guy who, he, he let the team down on that one, but that big 77-yard touchdown doesn't happen if MVS doesn't hustle down the field and get a few key blocks. Speaking of, David Bakhtiari, what the heck was that? How was he even down there, first of all? Second of all, he's outrunning everybody and just steamrolling people. What a beautiful effort by a team. You want to talk about effort, you want to talk about energy, you want to talk about keeping the energy level up and never quitting, that's what you're talking about. MVS and Aaron Jones refusing to go go down, and David Bakhtiari, 70 yards down the field, getting blocks for the guy. Same is true for Alan Lazard, Equinemius, and Malik Taylor. Malik Taylor had one reception, but it's still just nice to have that guy. And by the way, every time he touches the ball, it's like, dude, that guy is fast. Why does he look like the fastest guy on the field? I don't understand that. Equinemius, you know, he gets his one or two here and there. Alan Lazard, you know, he had, I think he had one bad drop, but otherwise, you know, he comes up clutch when you need him. Mercedes Lewis with a big reception. Robert Tunyon, obviously, coming up clutch in key situations, as well as throwing a few key blocks. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I mean, it was tough sledding against this defense, but you saw some really beautiful runs. Aaron Jones had that big 77-yard run. Jamal Williams also had a real beautiful, you know, 10, 11, 12-yard run that that really just kind of helped to seal this thing. You flip over to the defense. I mean, you saw Dean Lowry get involved a little bit. Kamal Martin, I mean, he had one real bad tackle that I wish he would have made, but you still start to see those flashes of a guy that looks special. Kenny Clark, I thought, did a good job against the run. Several times he kind of blew up some some run plays. Kingsley Kiki is the one guy I really want to highlight. I think he had two sacks in this game. He was very disruptive. And one of the things that was highlighted, and it was highlighted by um, Mike Daniels, he went on Twitter yesterday and he said this, if you're not paying attention to King, he said Kiki Kingsley, I guess he doesn't, no, whatever, Kingsley Kiki, then please tune in. B.J. Raji had 6.5 sacks his second year. I had 6.5 sacks my second year. I really want to see Buckets All Day, which is Kingsley Kiki, finish with seven this year. That young fella is exciting to watch. Hashtag I'm a fan. Hashtag mid-round pick. Mike Daniels is drawing comparisons to himself when describing Kingsley Kiki as a mid-round pick that is a massive breakout player at defensive tackle. If you've been listening to our show for a while, this show right here... You know we've been monitoring. I don't know why I keep saying we. I did that twice in a row after I just made a mental note. Don't do that again, stupid. It's just you doing this show. And I just did it again. I have been monitoring Kingsley Kiki for a while now as a guy that, that has been sneakily having a really good year. I mean, he's he grades out really well via PFF. His stats look really solid, and he's just been disruptive. I think he's got four sacks right now. He had two against New Orleans, and I believe it was two. I just I don't have time to look this up right now. Got to keep rolling so we can get out of here. Um, another note, this was from uh, Robin Not Williams. Just put this on Twitter two seconds ago. Uh, commented on my stuff, whatever. But he says, Devontae Adams is the fifth player in the Super Bowl era to record 1,000 yards in his first 10 games played. 
The others are Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Marvin Harrison, and Jerry Rice, all Hall of Famers. So this is what I'm talking about when I say when you look on a per-game basis. He's played 10 games and has cracked 1,000 yards and only four elite Hall of Famers. I mean, this, this list right here might be the four best wide receivers of all time. Probably you can nitpick a little bit, but Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Marvin Harrison. Anyways, uh, continuing on here, Preston Smith, you know, I've been dogging him for a while now as far as a guy that needs to step up, and I, I, I clearly it's not perfect, but he's he's making an impact, if nothing else, similar to Zadarius, maybe on a play-to-play basis, I don't know how well he's doing, but no question, he's making his impact known, getting to the quarterback, you heard Mike Smith, the outside linebacker coach, talk about it. it's more of a mental thing for him right now, he's got the ability, he's just thinking too much, he's trying to get too cute, you're a big, strong man with huge, long arms, use that to your advantage, and just push the guy out of your way, you're trying to get too cute dancing around the guy. And um, it, kind of all the guys are doing that. I know Rashawn, that's his big thing. He kind of speeds to the outside. It's kind of a what is it, a speed rush or whatever. You, you get to the outside, get him to open up, and then you just speed right into his chest. But a lot of these guys are big and strong, and they, they use that to their advantage. You just power into the guy. And as much as it's frustrating, because it's like you're not actually getting around him, and you're not really getting to him, when all of them are doing it, when Kenny's getting some push, and you see Zadarius pushing, and you got Preston on the other side, and all of them are just pushing, that you saw this especially against Carson Wentz. Again, it's an annoying move because you're not actually getting around him, and you can't sack a quarterback, or at least it's hard to, when you're just in front of a tackle pushing him into your quarterback. But when everybody's doing it and the pocket collapses, you see it get compressed, and he just goes down. Somebody eventually gets his armor on the quarterback as he tries to escape, and they just bring him down. So when everybody's just doing this bull rush and just manhandling tackles and guards and centers, you get the situation where the pocket just compresses around the quarterback and they bring him down that's starting to happen a lot so kudos to Preston Smith for really stepping up Zadarius is making his presence known Rashawn clearly is is starting to 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 get those pressures racked up we're seeing him a lot another thing that's great about Rashawn is his speed we know he's an absolute freak but his ability to chase is ridiculous he has got so much speed I mean he's hunting down quarterbacks that are mobile quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts from behind and getting them out of bounds uh, Jair Alexander, massive kudos. You know, I mean, there was that one play that seemed like maybe he was a little too shallow. He gave up that touchdown. That was the analysis of the announcers at the time. Seems legitimate and reasonable to me. But outside, I mean, he had several great pass breakups. And what one of the things you love is when you see him very rarely targeted, but then somebody throws at him, he breaks up the pass, looks right at the quarterback and says, don't do that. He said that to Carson once in this game. He is becoming that kind of Richard Sherman guy. Like, dude, are you seriously going to throw my way? Like, he's, he's, he's at that level in his career right now where he's annoyed when quarterbacks even think about challenging him. When he just stands up and looks at the quarterback and says, do not, I'm warning you, do not throw my direction. That's where Jair is right now in his, at this point in his career. Darnell Savage with another pick. So, I mean, when we analyze his stats, I mean, it just, it's out of control right now, what, what he's doing. Um, I, I, I forget exactly what it was, but at one point it was three games, three pass breakups. That went on to four games, three pass breakups, and two picks. It's now, what, five games, three pass breakups, and three picks? Something to that effect. I mean, it's just, it's stupid right now. Adrian Amos still coming up clutch on some tackle. Um, I was thinking about this today as we saw the Seahawks fall in spectacular fashion. And they went out and got, they spent a ton of money on Jamal Adams. And he was throwing a fit that he lost to a New York team. He said, it just hits different. I'm really upset. And I'm not trying to say Jamal's a terrible football player. But looking at where we're at right now with Amos really starting to come on strong and Darnell Savage really starting to come on really strong and the fact that we just paid David Bakhtiari a ton of money, which we would not probably not have been able to do, 
Um, and we've been in serious financial trouble if we had uh, Jamal Adams here. You just, you know, and I, and I was in on that. I was I was good with that. I, I'm not generally big on free agency, but that's the kind of guy where you look at it and say, this is probably the best safety in football. If you want to, if you want to take a swing at this, go for it. You just really start to appreciate the prudence of the GM saying, no, we just, we can't afford that. We're not doing that. And now we're, we're kind of good, man. And I'm not saying we couldn't be a little bit better, but the defense is looking solid. The safeties in particular are really starting to come along. And you got to feel good about it when you got a guy as talented as Savage starting to show his potential. Amos is starting to get back to what he was on top of the fact that we brought in a, a DB coach who has coached up the best safeties in football, who's seemingly starting to have an impact. I mean, just the the feeling that this could really be a special safety group is starting to hit. I mean, I, again, everything is really just starting to come together. I'm really starting to just appreciate this team. The special teams, again, has really got it. They they need to start devoting a little bit more energy and, and effort to that. Um, if that means picking up guys that are just special teamers like Tavon Austin, I'm all for it. But it's not just the returns. Um, they they got to do better in coverage. You cannot allow this every single week. I mean, whether it's a return for a touchdown or, you know, just getting it out to the 40. thats It's just unacceptable. I mean, we had one play where what did he, he got it out to almost midfield, and there was a penalty, and you're like, thank you, finally. And it was against the Packers. I mean, the guy was offsides, and we still couldn't get down there and stop him. It just, I, you know, whatever. Anyways, I really got to get going. I'm way over time. Super, super excited about this team. Again, if you're not hyped up and you're dwelling on the, the negatives, there's always going to be negatives. There's always going to be negatives. Now is the time. I mean, I, I just saw the Raiders... Somebody put out a, a tweet when the Raiders got that last-second touchdown, which I used them in my survivor pool, so thank you, Carr, for that. But uh, I saw a tweet that said, you know, here's a, a picture of Derek Carr, you know, just casually throwing a 50-yard bomb to save the season. And I thought, save the season? I mean, they're still excited about their chances of possibly still being in it. There's still a chance. We got Packer fans looking at this team saying there's no chance they're not going to win. They can't win. You gotta stop. You have to stop. I know I'm only talking to about five of you that I haven't convinced so far, but guys, please, you gotta stop. Had somebody reach out and say it's kind of just like a security blanket, and I get that, but, you know, I'm not here to be your shrink. Neither are the people on Twitter. If you can't handle it, just stop watching, all right? Try to enjoy it. Anyways, I gotta go. Great, great day. Super pumped about the potential of this team. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.